It's Daily Thunder, the truth of Jesus Christ dished out live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado with a bit of manly grit and gusto. Find out more at live.ellerslie.com. Now here's Eric Lutie. Josh Kinnebrew just reminded us that uh, nine years ago today, we had banquet night for the very first semester of Ellerslie. So this is a huge, that means it's Ben Zorn's birthday, uh, isn't it? So Ben, if you're listening, happy birthday, bud. Uh, so what great memories. That was the day that, uh, I remember I came up here in this exact spot on stage. I mean, this is where I was standing too. I mean, talk about reminiscence. Uh, and uh, Hudson was, was there, and uh, this is good for Hudson, who's now 14. And so we had a table. Uh, I, I remember I was sitting at a table right here. Hudson was sitting next to me, and he was five, and it was a huge moment in our lives. And we prayed for 17 years for this. It's just the weight of it was so significant that day. And I remember, uh, you know, every now and then in life, you get, you sort of catch the understanding, you grip the reality of how significant the faithfulness of God is. And you see the, the, the past. You know how it says that your life flashes before you? It's sort of like that, where your life flashes before you, but not in a negative way, in a positive way, and you recognize God's handiwork, God's fingerprints. And I remember being so moved. I came up onto stage, and Hudson followed me. Uh, I don't, he's the only time he's ever followed me up on stage was that uh, event. And he follows me up on stage and is standing next to me, and I could not speak for a long time. I don't know how long it was, but it was a significant period of time that I just cried. And this is the very start of Ellerslie, nine years ago, uh, tonight technically, uh, that uh, I stood right here. So that's a lot better than just the 30 second trying to find significance for that. I think that's exciting. So happy anniversary, uh, guys, all of you that have been here, because uh, Josh was even here. He was here as a student. Nathan, were you here that night? Nathan was, Sandy was, uh, oh, and Hudson was. So we, look at that. We have <laughs> four people that were here nine years ago. That's pretty cool. Uh, so uh, the rest of you, you could just sort of wish that you'd been there. Uh, and so that's why you never want to miss anything that's going on here, because events happen, and then I could repeat them nine years from now. And it, just imagine, nine years from now, I might repeat this and say, remember nine years ago when we were having our 30-second episode of Daily Thunder, and you were there? See, that, that could happen. But, so guys, on Friday, and I missed last Friday because I was in uh, Winnipeg, Canada, but uh, we're going on Fridays through something called the Gospel Toolkit. And this is the third installment out of 32 uh, episodes of Daily Thunder. This is the third that we've gotten to in the Gospel Toolkit. But this is actually a really fun study that uh, goes back to uh, something Nathan and I put together quite a few years ago for a group of practicum students that were here for a long season. And we were teaching them basically the, how to share the Gospel by giving them the the tools or the uh, ingredients or the star- stopping points, if you were to look at it as a, uh, as a process, like place one, place two, place three, place four. And so we had 35 what we call essentials to getting off to a right start in the kingdom of heaven. So this is something that a new believer could understand. And as an old believer, you could go through and go, wow, I skipped that. And there's some key things that, when integrated, add a whole new luster and depth to the Christian life. But it's also a great way to understand how to share the gospel. Because these are, this is the transfer of the, from the kingdom of darkness under the kingdom of light. And so this one is called Believe Your Savior. So we had See Your Need, 
see your Savior and believe your Savior. They're pretty basic, aren't they? However, they're critical in the development of the soul and the awakening of the soul. For instance, if you do not see your need, do you think Jesus makes any sense? It doesn't make any sense if you don't see your need for a Savior. So some people actually are awakened to see that they have a problem in life and they need a solution, but they don't see their Savior. And so it's important not to just see your need, but to also see your Savior. But then you could see your Savior and you could know that Jesus saves, but you may not know that he saves you. And so it's critical, I think all of us would understand this, that you must believe your Savior. And so that's where this uh, installment comes in. Believe your Savior. So I read this the last two episodes in this series of the Gospel Toolkit. When Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The idea behind this is, if you think you're healthy, you don't call in a doctor. And the key of what Christ is saying is, I can only save those that understand their sickness. I am a great physician, but you need to know you're sick. And so that's the concept of seeing your need. It also is the idea of seeing your savior. In other words, hey, I'm sick. And Jesus comes in and says, well, I heal sickness. In other words, you need to recognize that Jesus is the answer. He is the lone answer. Two kinds of lost people. This is review. Those that are blind to sin and those that are awakened to sin. For whatever reason, if you were to divide up this world, uh, you have those that are very alert to the reality of sin. And there are those that are just blind to it. They don't agree with it. They don't think that they're, that they're off, that there's anything wrong with them. Ray Comfort has done uh, exhaustive studies on this of just coming up to people and asking them, do you think that you're basically good? Do you think that you're a good person? And almost everyone thinks they're a good person. Isn't that just an extraordinary thought? Whereas Christians, the key of transferring from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is first you have to come to grips with the fact that you're not. You are not a good person. Now there are people out there that recognize something's wrong with me. And that's why ministry to those that are injured or weak in life or that have transgressed and are even in prison actually can be a very effective ministry because oftentimes they're awakened to the fact that something's wrong, something's out of order in their life. They're awakened to sin. Two stages of spirit revelation. Again, this is just a review. There's the convincing of law. When someone is blind to sin, that's where the law comes in because the law awakens us to the fact that we're sinners. The law is the perfection of God. And if you set the perfection of God next to us, suddenly we recognize that we are very imperfect. I think the illustration that uh, Ray Comfort oftentimes uses is if you take a, a sheep and set him up against you know, some, some grass, he looks very white. But then if you take that same sheep and line him up against some white snow, he can look very dirty. And that's the same with us. When we compare ourselves with Adolf Hitler, we may feel very white. But when we compare ourselves with Jesus Christ, whoa, we're sinners. So the law convinces us. It awakens us to our sin. And then when someone has an awakening to sin, you don't need to give them the law. You don't need to pound them over the head with the fact that they're just going to hell because they're sinners. They need hope. And that's the invitation of grace. And so as Christians, when we go out into this world, we need to recognize that those that are blind to sin need law. Those that are awakened to their sin already, they need hope, they need grace, they need love. 
So a man can be awakened to his need, but still not be introduced to his Savior. Again, this is just review. The amazing work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, his job description, if we could say it that way, is to lead us to Christ. And so anyone who has ever been awakened to the person of Jesus Christ has been awakened by the Holy Spirit. The only way you could ever know Jesus, the only way you ever see your need, the only way you ever see your Savior, and the only way, as we're going to cover today, you believe in your Savior, is it's a work of the Holy Spirit, or what's called a work of grace. You are saved by grace. So the amazing work of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 16, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, What do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Oh, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is an important question for every single one of us. Everyone that's out there, who do you say Jesus is? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. It's a huge thing amongst the Jews. To declare that he is the Christ means he's the one that fulfills it all. He is God in the flesh. He is the one who has no beginning, no ending. He is the one who fulfills all scripture. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So how did Peter realize that, that Jesus was in fact the Messiah? He was the anointed one. He was the Christ. He was the answer to everyone's need. How did he see it? It wasn't because men passed this information along to him. It's because God passed this information along to him. It's the Holy Spirit that reveals, and that's very, very important for all of us as gospel tears. You see, when we go into this world, we are carrying the message of salvation, but we ourselves cannot awaken a soul, but we still are the ones God desires to use, so there's a certain dependency that we have in seeing souls awakened, which is why we pray and why we ask God to do his work. Because we are merely an instrument. It's like if you were a saxophone, you could be a wonderful saxophone, and you can create some great sound. However, you need someone to blow in, into you. You need a saxophone player. And that's the way we are. In other words, this grand music that is supposed to come out of us called the proclamation of the gospel, and, the, and so that people hear it and are moved by it, we still need a saxophone player. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. So listen to this. This is going into what I want to cover today. A man can be introduced to his Savior, but still not believe in his Savior. Well, isn't that a sad commentary? Isn't that a weird thought to think that you could see your need, you could see your Savior, but then not believe him? What? Who would ever stop there? Well, unfortunately, a lot of people do. You know how many people know about Jesus out there, but do not believe in Jesus? And so as a result, this is a very key component in the awakening, in the development, in the regeneration of a human life. So I'm going to introduce you to the Marvelous Magic Green Smoothie. Okay, this uh, Marvelous Magic Green Smoothie, which by the way, I am making up right now, even though some of you are like, I just had one of those this morning. This is different than the one you had this morning. This is like a supernatural green smoothie, okay? It's like some of you are, are rather dull in your, in your mind and you're not really thinking clearly. This clears up all thought. I mean, it just sort of 
uh, energizes your thinking uh, processes. Some of you have some health problems this morning. This solves them all. This is a solve-all for all health issues. Digestive issues, you know, you have a sore shoulder, boom, it just goes straight to it, heals it. This is like the ultimate smoothie, okay? So energy levels, boom, you have energy. This is I mean, even, I mean, for, uh, for d different academic studies, sharpness, uh, mental acuity, this just is the ultimate marvelous magic green smoothie. I'm a pretty good salesman, aren't I? Okay, now, imagine that you never heard of the Marvelous Magic Green Smoothie. If you've never heard of the ma Marvelous Magic Green Smoothie, guess what? You've probably never drunk it, right? And so as a result, you have, you are ignorant and unbelieving, okay? So I'm going to teach you, in a sense, indirectly what believing is. Okay, if you don't know about something, well, then obviously you can't ever partake of it. Now, there's another option, and that is I tell you about the, what is it called, the marvelous magic green smoothie, and you just leave it there on the counter. I even hand it to her. I said, this is for you. I made it just for you, and look at all the incredible virtues it has. Look at what it can do for your life, and you leave it there sitting on the counter. Someone could say, have you ever heard of the marvelous magic green smoothie? You could say, yes, I have. You could even tell them back, yes, I hear that it uh, changes you uh, in every way. If you have digestive problems, if you have a sore shoulder, it does this, this. You could repeat back all the data about it. However, you never drank it. What's the good of having access to the marvelous magic green smoothie if you don't drink it? Now, some of you are just thinking, uh, do I have access to the marvelous magic green smoothie? By the way, as we move forward, you'll find you have access to something far greater than that. Now listen to this. This is option number three, which plays into what we're talking about today. Or are you knowledgeable and believing? In other words, you know about what this marvelous magic green smoothie can do, and then what do you do? You believe. What would believing look like if you actually believed that that marvelous magic green smoothie offered you all of this incredible virtue and strength? What would you do? Especially if you knew it was for you, it was served up for you, you know, it was just all the way to the rim just waiting for you to do something. What would you do? Well, as far as I'm concerned, the wisdom point here would be to reach out and grab it. And then to lift it up and bring it towards yourself and to open this mouth. And then to turn it upwards and to dump it down your gullet. That's what you do. And then you swallow it, you agree with it, you digest it, and let it work its wonder. See? Some of you are thinking, boy, if I just had access to that. You see, that's what believing is. So many of us know the data. We know the facts about Jesus. But if it's really true that he does all this and that he did all this for you, what should you do? You should believe. Believe is an action. Did you know that? Believe is something you do. It's not something you sit back and ponder. Capturing one of the most important moments in history. I think it was Wednesday I was talking about how God will take his camera in Scripture and zoom in, and he'll pick these epic moments, you know, like the parting of a Red Sea, the deliverance of a nation from another nation, I mean, huge grand moments. And then he'll zoom in on intimate conversations. And what we have to understand is that every single thing that God is bringing out in the text of Scripture is of extreme importance. And yet, out of all the tapestry of Scripture, I'm going to say that there is one story that is 
highly unique in how God is zooming in. I mean, he, from multiple angles in multiple gospel accounts, he's going to bring out this story. And the effects of this story in history are magnificent. Okay, so the biblical camera zooms in on a girl and her treasure. Now, when I go through Ellerslie training, I'm going to teach this one story from multiple angles because it's very significant. Okay, and if you've ever studied World War I, you know that one man named Gabriel Princip with one gun, with one bullet, or actually I think he shot a couple bullets out, but he assassinates the, the Archduke of Hungary. And it starts a chain reaction, which to this day led to communism, led to fascism and Nazism, which led to World War II, which led to the split up of the countries in the Middle East and all the Middle East conflict. All right. It also changed all of America and American history where we suddenly began to be involved in international affairs. One bullet, okay, that's sort of similar except for in a different direction. This one girl does something. And what she did, does is highlighted, not just by it being in the text of Scripture multiple times, but then Jesus, even in the story, highlights it. He says, notate what this girl is doing. It's very significant, okay? So the biblical camera zooms in. So I'm just going to give you the close of the story. Now, I know many of you, if not all of you, know the story, but I'm just sort of drawing it out. Assuredly, I say to you, says Jesus, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. So if we're talking about sharing the gospel, imparting the gospel, well, I think we should take note here. Because whenever this gospel is preached, in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now, there's a lot of confusion about this. Some people feel like when I share the gospel, I have to always bring up this story. I don't know that that's actually what is meant here as much as what this woman is doing is going to be brought out in the giving of the gospel because it is the response to the marvelous magic green smoothie. There's a very specific thing that the soul must do in response to the grandeur that is before them. And that's what we're going to see witness here. And as a memorial unto what this woman did, which begins a chain reaction throughout all of history. In fact, there's a timeline in history that is literally going to be split. We have uh, everything in history hinges right here. I mean, this event is starting something, just like Gavriel Princip's bullet did. It says... Then one of the twelve, see that? Then, right here. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. Boom. The betrayal of Jesus, the arrest of Jesus, the sufferings of Jesus, the crucifixion death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. You, you, you follow me? This is all happening right here. And this woman does something. What does she do? What does she do that creates this type of a response? It's like, whoa, we see a polar uh, difference here. Darkness, light, something is happening. So what did this woman do? Well, listen, I'll give you a, an enunciation of it. She gave a startlingly clear picture of the proper human response to the grandeur of Christ. I could say, to use our illustration uh, earlier, she gave the response that we're supposed to have to the marvelous magic green smoothie. If it really is able to do all of that, you have hunger and thirst issues, that'll solve it. You have health issues, that'll solve it. You have uh, 
cloudiness of mind issues, that'll solve it. In other words, if the mag marvelous magic green smoothie can do it, what would you do in response to it? It's sort of the obvious. However, every one of us in our soul in relationship to Jesus needs this clarity brought out. For whatever reason, we're a little cloudy when it comes to the action of the soul. So what this woman did is she gave a startlingly clear picture of the proper human response to the grandeur of Christ. Faith. Now, the name of this session is Believe Your Savior. And when I say the word believe, and then I say the word faith, do you see a difference? Yeah, they're not really, they don't sound very similar. You see, faith is what you say that someone has when they believe. So if someone believes, then we say they have faith. Faith is a noun, believe is an action. And so as a result, we get them confused and we think they're two different things, but in the Greek, it's the same word. Just one is the noun version of the word and one is the verb. So they're the actually the same thing, we just need to see that because we don't speak Greek. So faith, what is it, how does it work? I'm gonna give you a few illustrations uh, of faith just from other, other people too. Uh, Nathan Johnson is gonna be one of my list. He gave a great illustration a couple weeks ago. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. You see, this is an important dimension, if not the most important dimension of the exercise of the soul. If you don't have faith, you don't have any of the other things. For instance, you could be told to love, but you can't love without faith. You could be told to be holy, as he is holy, but you can't have holiness without faith. You could be told to be pure, as he is pure, but you have no ability to be pure without faith. In other words, this is a starter package. Without faith, you cannot please him. Without faith, you cannot enter into his kingdom. Without faith, you can't enter into his treasure house where you can access all that you need to be able to live this life. So if you want the power to live, well, how do you access it? By faith. So we sort of need to know what this faith is. Faith is believing. So there's an action in the soul. And so as a gospel tier, when we share the gospel with someone, we need to invite them into an action. You don't just say, hey, here's a marvelous magic green smoothie that can solve all your problems and just stare at it. We actually say, um, by the way, you must reach out, pick it up, pull it towards you, dump it down your gullet, and then agree with it and digest it and let it change your life. You see, this is the action of believing, which is by definition faith. So first, what exactly is faith? So here's a, a whole bunch of illustrations. A.W. Tozier simply calls it the gaze of the soul upon Christ. So it is a worship, it is a focus, it is saying I see something that this world doesn't see and I believe it and I will build my life around it. Oh, that's a good, good statement. Dr. Erwin Moon, uh, he has the Moody Science videos. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those. Those are great Moody Science videos. If you haven't seen them, you need to at least look one up and then you'll get hooked. They're a lot of fun. They're, I think they're black and white, aren't they? Or they, they color, I don't remember. Uh, they just sort of feel like they're black and white. No one answers. All of you just sort of stare back. We don't know the Moody Science videos. I know Hudson does, but he didn't even answer. So Dr. Erwin Moon gives this illustration of the chair. And you know he says that you could look at the chair and you could esteem the chair and you could say, yeah, I'm sure it can hold someone up. But faith is different than just esteeming it, knowing how it's built. It's actually being willing 
to sit down in it and put your weight upon it and declare, I trust this chair. Because faith and trust are in essence the same thing. It is trust in what God says. If he says it, I believe it and I will put my weight upon it. Bruce Olson was a missionary down in South America and in the book Bruchko, if you've ever heard of that, that's Bruce Olson. And so he was trying to explain faith to a group of uh, people that didn't have the word faith in their language. And so how do you, how do you convey this? And they all lived in a, in a long house where they had like rafters up there. It's a very strange way to live, by the way. And they all tied their hammocks to the rafters and slept uh, in this long house. I was like, okay. But that's how they lived, and this is the culture he came into. Now, I always picture it being a house like this. It could have been a little small hut, uh, for all I know. But this is how he described it he, to, to this uh, tribal man as he says, I want you to take the hammock strings of your soul, and I want you to tie them into Jesus, and then I want you to lay down in them. That's faith. It's like, well, that's a good way of saying it. In other words, it's not just having someone say, do you believe that rafter can hold you up? Sure, yeah, I believe that. Prove it. Tie your soul into it, and then lay down your entire weight. Trust your entire eternity into it. Now do you trust? Well, that's a whole different story. No, that's, that's, that's it. Do you trust Jesus that way? Uh, Nathan Johnson. See, Nathan, I'm going to get you into this message one way or the other. Uh, for those of you that are just joining, I invited Nathan up in the very beginning of this message to participate in the communication, and he flatly denied me, acted like he was busy behind the computer back there. Uh, so we'll have to get him uh, next time. Uh, so Nathan Johnson gave a great illustration, and uh, that is if you were shoved out of a plane and uh, you're falling to the earth, and someone after you throws out a parachute, and then they, you're like, ah, uh, flying down, and there's this parachute flying next to you, and someone from the plane goes, hey, that parachute, that can save you. Then, uh, as he was describing, there's two ways of relating to that parachute. One is to sort of like wave at it, you know, and you know, give it a thumbs up like, hey, I'm glad you can save. And the other is to reach out, grab it, put it on, and pull the ripcord. Which one is faith? In other words, if you really believe that that is your salvation, then you wouldn't just wave at it. You wouldn't just give it a thumbs up. You would reach out, grab it, put it on, and pull the ripcord and utilize its power to save, right? That's good. I like that illustration. <clears throat> and then finally, faith. What is it? It's pulling a Mary of Bethany. What Mary of Bethany does showcases to all history. God points to it. Jesus himself says, mark this, circle it with a big highlighter pen. Right there. This is what I'm talking about. Okay? This is what he's talking about. So how does faith work? It's made up of two soul operations. There's two things that are happening in the operation of faith that when combined create a unique and ready atmosphere for a spiritual revolution in the inner man. You guys ready for these two? Kaboom, one, repent. An action of denial, a letting go, a giving over, a turning away. Now look at the other part, believe. An action of acceptance, a grabbing hold, an allying with, a turning toward. Now, I'm gonna read through those again, just especially for those on podcast. It involves two operations of the soul. The first one is to repent. The second one is to believe, but repent is an action of giving up. 
It's an action of denial, whereas believe is an action of acceptance. So, for instance, if I was holding on to a handful of pebbles, how much are those pebbles worth? Well, uh, I had one of those uh, professional graders of, uh, of precious jewels and metals come, and they told me that it's actually worth nothing. So what I'm holding is actually worth nothing, and yet God is holding out a handful of precious jewels that are of inestimable value. They're not just something you would mine out of the earth. They're mined out of heaven's quarry. And they're so valuable. And they have such eternal weight of glory. And I'm holding on to my pebbles, and God says, hey, could you take these pebbles? They're yours. What I gave up my life for is to give you this treasure. And I'm like, okay, yeah, could you set them on top of my hand? You see, what's happening is my hand, my grip is already being used. I'm clinging to my previous life. And so what God says is, uh, you sort of need to let go. Let go of your previous salvation, of what you've trusted in, Eric. You've trusted in your pebbles, but they can't save you. I need you to repent and let go of those so your grip is open to take what I have to give you. You see, this grip cannot hold two things simultaneous. It needs to choose. It needs to let go of a first to grab a hold of a second. And so, same is true with the soul. If our soul is holding on to a, a savior that is other than Jesus, which could be all sorts of things, money, self, I can do it, I can do it. It could be medicine, as long as I have that medicine in the cabinet, I know I'll be fine. We have all sorts of things. It could be the fact that we have a Republican president. It's like, oh, as long as we have a Republican president, we are saved. All sorts of false saviors out there. And when you have a false savior and God points it out, you need to repent of that. You need to let go in your soul's grip so that your soul can grip its true savior. So repent and believe. This is exactly what you see Mary doing in this story. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. So Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom here. Rather important moment. And saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent. Let go. Open up your grip and give up your previous hold so that you can use that to grab a hold of this gospel, this truth, what he has done for you. Pulling a Mary of Bethany, repenting and believing. And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he, Jesus, sat at the table, a woman came having an alabaster flask, jar, container, box, there's different uh, translations for it. Every, every translation seems to have a different word here. A very costly oil of spikenard. Have you ever heard of that spikenard stuff? This supposedly is so expensive that it, in another gospel account, it's said to be worth a year's wages. Could you imagine working for a year and getting this one little box of perfume for your labors? In other words, this is of extreme value, and if I had more time, I would tell you all about spikenard because it's an extremely, extraordinary substance. Then she broke the flask, the jar, the container, the box, and poured it on his head. Oh, and even Judas in this situation is like offended. It's like, what a waste! And yet Jesus is going to go out of his way to say what this woman just did is the essence of the response to the gospel. Right here. What she is doing marks the epitome, 
the ultimate enunciation of what the soul is meant to do in response to the Christ. There's the Christ, there's the, I know, it's a massive diminishment of Christ to call him the marvelous magic green smoothie. However, he is the solution. He is the one Savior, capital S, Savior. So when you see it, what do you do? You know that Mary had something very costly. The word that is used here in the Greek doesn't translate as well for us. Like very costly just means very expensive. However, in the Greek, the word is pastikos. It was the object of her trust, the object of her salvation. Spike Nard. She had, as long as I have this, I can always use it if times go bad. I can always go to it and it can solve, it can salve my wounds. You know that it was actually a healing ointment too? So it's sort of like the marvelous magic green smoothie. That's Spike Nard right there. It can solve all your ills, financial and physical. But then what did she see? She saw the life of Christ. So what did she do? She saw something far more worthy of her grip. So she repented of the spike nard. She broke it open on him. And he became her healing ointment. He became her sustenance. Mary's faith. She saw his goodness, adored his mercy, praised his beauty. She gave up all that stood between her and her Lord. She removed every obstacle to that fellowship. She surrendered to his leadership and she worshiped him in all his wonder and glory. Yeah, that's kind of what we're called to, huh? Repent, believe. Pull a Mary of Bethany. That's what we must do. So at every juncture, when you are leading someone to Christ, you're leading them to pull a Mary of Bethany. You don't just give them data and facts about Jesus. You lead them to the point that they're supposed to let go of everything they've previously held to so that they have a grip to hold on to Christ. If they have any spikenard in their pantry, that they would repent of it so that they could take hold of Christ. So how does that affect us? Isn't it funny how our soul grip can yield itself, can repent, and can hold on to Christ? And the next thing you know, it sort of slips off of Christ and migrates back over to some spikenard? What? The moment you find yourself, once again, sort of, even, because sometimes we're just sort of putting a finger on it, like just trying to tap it along. It's like, I'm not really holding it. I'm just tapping along to keep it in my life because without it, I can't imagine that I could survive. We have different things, whether they be financial. You know, it's like, ah, I just need to, ha whether it be a job, whether it be friendships, whether it be medicines. I mean, we have all sorts of different things that we have to have. We crave. Some, sometimes it's our morning coffee. I don't drink coffee, so I can make a statement like that and make the rest of you feel guilty. Then someone says, well, but don't you drink chai? Well, that's different, though. It's chai. It's not coffee. Uh, and I was talking about coffee. So I just want that conviction to you know, settle deep in all of you. But the point is, if you have things in your life that obstruct, so let's go through this list again. We each need to see his goodness afresh today. Do you see how good he is? Do you see what he has given to us? Adore his mercy. He, for whatever reason, though we are undeserving, has showered us with mercy. Praise his beauty. Have you ever seen him? Even just a glimpse of his beauty? He's the fairest one of all. He is absolutely ravishing 
in who he is. He is perfect perfection, holy holiness, righteous righteousness. So what should we do? If there is any barrier between us and him, and his arms are open wide saying, come to me. But we have an obstacle standing in front. We're like, ah, what do we do? He's just move it out of the way. Remove that blockade. You see, he's not the one putting it there. If there's a blockade between you and your God, it's because you put it there. And as a result, you have the ability to repent of it. That's part of what we have. We have a grip. And with that grip, we, don't, we can't save ourselves, but we can let go and grab. We can let go and grab, and we do a lot. So let's let go of that which is hindering so that we can grab a hold of our God afresh. We need to remove every obstacle to our fellowship with him and surrender afresh to his leadership. Now, for most of us in here, if not all of us, we have repented and believed, at least at a, at a phase one. But I want to encourage us to do it again today. To not allow anything to cloud our relationship with God, but to surrender afresh to his leadership. Who's in control of our life? He is. Can he do whatever he desires with us? Yes. And that means he can lead us down some rather difficult pathways. He can lead us towards things that aren't very comfortable. He can bring inconvenience into our life. And each of us needs to just agree with that today. That it's not me controlling my life saying, I want comfort, I want ease. No, I want him. He is deserving. So for any of us that have a box of spikenard today, and we're caught red-handed with it as the message is progressing, it's like, ha, huh, what should we do? Break it open. Break it open on him and worship him in all his wonder and glory. Finishing scripture. This is quite a passage in John. Of course, we know John 3.16, but all around John 3.16, all the way uh, is just talking about the same thing over and over and over again. It's repeat, repeat, repeat. Whoever believes in him, Jesus, should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Well, that sounded familiar, didn't it? He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. You can't just stare at the facts and think that you have them. You can't just wave at the parachute and think you're wearing it. You have to put it on. And to do that, you oftentimes have to put off that which is hindering. So that's why we're told to put off the old man. We have a dud parachute. That's probably a good way of saying it. It's like a lead weight on our back, and we're falling fast. We need to put off the lead weight and grab a hold of the parachute that has been offered us at the cross and pull the ripcord and let it save us. So he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You can see your need, you can see your Savior, but boy is it important to believe your Savior. You can see your need, you can see your Savior, and still have the wrath of God upon you. You must believe your Savior. 
and to believe, my next session is actually repent. That's, that's actually the next one, which go together with this. The, the, the two are the two operations of faith. Faith includes a letting go and a grabbing, a giving up and a taking hold. And so as a result, you can't separate them, even though I am, they'll be a week apart. I'm not actually separating them in concept because I did mention repentance today. But to next week, I'm going to dig deeper into the concept of repentance because as gospel tears, as we're walking souls into this understanding, we need to understand repentance. We need to live out repentance in our own life. It's not just a one-time thing where we repent and believe. This is the operation of faith where we're constantly letting go. If we're starting to grip something, we let it go. Our soul's grip must always be on our Savior. So... That is an exercise that we need to become familiar with at a greater degree. All right, let's pray and then we'll transition. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, we simply desire, like Mary of Bethany, to pour out our life, to give up that which is replacing you and attempting to displace you in our soul. We desire you to have first place. I pray that your Holy Spirit would search us. And if there's anything, any weight that is besetting us, any intrusion, any blockade in our life, that we would agree with your Holy Spirit and let go of it so that we could have full access, full intimacy with the King of all kings. We love you, Lord Jesus. This is unto you for your glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Daily Thunder is a production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training and the Bravehearted Media Group. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and see it once again gain the stride of the Spirit emboldened and brave. The Daily Thunder video stream can be watched live daily at 8.15 a.m. Mountain Time, Monday through Saturday, and 7.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Please consider booking a stopover at the lovely Ellerslie campus at the foot of the majestic Rocky Mountains for one day, one week, one semester, or for an entire season. We hope to see you someday soon live and in person. Thanks for listening.